have I got a story for you. It's about a teenager turning a tragic reality into a business opportunity and then leaving what he'd built behind and heading west, then back east, for better opportunities. Preparation and work ethic make risks less risky for this professional basketball trainer. But first, today's podcast is brought to you by The Junk Drawer. Yes, the unorganized, just throw all your shit in there, shaman is over. Embrace the disgrace of the most important hoarding space in your place. Fuck, Dr. Seuss would be proud. In fact, what other spot in your domicile provides you with a surprise gift every time you open it, along with the convenience of quick, thoughtless storage? Not since couch cushions have kids been so eager to dig their fingers with the hopes of discovering forgotten treasure. Don't let Ikea lie to you anymore. It's fine. Just dump whatever you can't let go of in there. Postcards, pliers, buttons, frayed USB cords, foreign currencies, passports. Shit, the tooth you forgot to put under your pillow or that the tooth fairy left behind. Whatever. It's fine. It's yours to store as you please. So please, walk over to the time capsule type compartment and stroll down memory lane. Junk drawers. It's where grown-ups just throw shit, since it would be really childish to keep shoving it under your bed. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. Please friend and follow us for updates and some pretty cool pics of the people we are getting to know. Subscribe and listen so you can hear different stories from different places and perspectives. The podcast can be found just about anywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Apple Pod, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, and who fucking knows where else those Russians are putting it. Take a little time out of your day. Get to know someone new. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know on today's show we are getting to know luke all the way from the magical land of missouri which is next to kansas i found out <laughs> how's it going man i'm good man how are you doing very well having a another chill day of a uh, quarantine life which is, um, um, it's growing on me, man. I got to be honest. The quarantine life is growing on me. How's it treating you? You know, it's, um, some days are better than others. I think everyone's kind of, you know, settling into to what this looks like for them. Um, so, you know, it hasn't been, honestly, it hasn't been too bad. Um, I just wish I had an end date. You know what I mean? I oh, wish it was yeah. like, yeah, you know, June 20th, it's going to be over. That'd be a little bit easier. Um, but overall, it could be much worse. You know, you're just sitting in the house watching TV. So, right. you know, not too much to complain about. Yeah. Why do you think uh, and a bunch of people feel that way? And I always kind of wonder about it. Like, why do you think we as people just want that end date? What do you think that's about? I mean, I think it's, I don't know. You just like, I'm a basketball trainer. So it's like, you know, if a player's doing a drill, they want to know like how long they're doing the drill. <laughs> Otherwise, right. you know, you're just out there like doing it and you have no idea like where 
you know. Yeah, how hard to go, the, when to get shit done. Going. Yeah, it's like, you know, if you're running a mile, you want to know what lap you're on. Right. Um, and so, I don't know, I feel like it's just kind of that psychology of, like, it's just easier to kind of, to count down days and know that there's a, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, not to use Trump's term. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't know, I just feel like mentally it helps compared to just being in the, in it and you have no idea when it's going to end. But, um, right. I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, it's it the uncertainty definitely um messes with people. And I wonder if it's like an American capitalistic thing. I guess that's where my mind keeps going. Like, why can't we all just be like retired Italians that are like drinking wine and smoking all day and just watching life pass you by, you know? Yeah, I think it definitely has to do with like our culture and how you know, for a lot of people though, honestly, it's like they they ha like they need to get back to work. Right. You know, so you know, that's part of it too is I'm sure, you know, the people that are more well off, um, it's not affecting them obviously as much as, you know, people that were living paycheck to paycheck. And so, you know, those stresses are probably much different than, yeah. you know, someone that just kind of wants to get out of the house. But Right. Yeah. How's it been going for you as a, as a um, basketball trainer? Is it all just straight social media views and trying to like get revenue that way? Yeah. So it's like, you know, I haven't made a dollar in six weeks. Damn. <laughs> um, but you know, that's part of it. I was having a conversation with my uh, one of my best friends the other day, and he's like, "How are you handling it?" Like, I know this sucks for your business, and you know, the scary part is like we don't know. Even when like restrictions are let up, like you don't know what that's going to look like in terms of basketball training. You know, where people are in the gym together, and it's like, how many people can be in one group? I do a lot of my stuff, you know, at high schools that I rent out or high school is going to allow you to rent out a gym or are they oh, going to be yeah. like, no, we're not doing that. You know, so there's a lot of different layers to it. Um, but it just kind of is what it is, man. You know, you can't, I consider myself somewhat of an entrepreneur and it's like, you can't just want to be an entrepreneur when things are going great. Right. Um, and there's, you know, 20 kids in the gym paying you 40 bucks an hour. Like that sounds really awesome, you know, but like it's kind of the life you chose. So you got to, got to suck it up when it's bad and be thankful when it's good. Um, but this time is definitely not, it's not great because this is pretty much like April is when pre-draft stuff starts. So like when college players who are ready to get to the NBA, um, when those guys are start preparing, that starts in April. Um, so we kind of missed out on that wave. And then, you know, the normal off season for players is kind of May through September and who knows what that's going to look like too. So it's about, you know, our six biggest months of revenue is kind of up in the air right now. So it's not oh, great in, in that sense. But um, yeah, man, it's just a lot of working on a couple of projects that I probably wouldn't have had time to do without, you know, being forced to kind of sit down and not do anything. So yeah, did I you, I had seen, I, sorry to cut you off, man, but I had seen no, the, um, the MJ breakdown video. Did you actually do that? Yeah. So dude, like that was real, like it, just the way, um, and I've, I don't know how long you've been doing it for, but the way you're like freeze framing and like, you know, you're pointing to a particular foot and you're pointing to a shoulder in the move and just kind of put pointing out the little detail. I just really like the way those things are done, dude. And they're fucking like 30, 45 seconds. And man, if I'm a kid, I can watch that shit. And then I'm hitting the driveway, you know, and I'm like yeah. getting better, man. I was um, super impressed by those. Yeah. So like I, like the teaching points and everything is mine. The actual like graphic part, um, I just pay a buddy to do it. <laughs> I can't do that stuff. Um, I could I could learn figure it out. By the time I figure it out, it's like 
I could have been doing a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, and, right. But yeah, it's like one of those things where it's like, all right, like, you know, how can you provide a little bit of value um, to people to where they can, you know, watch something. And then I just want to get, I just want players and young players to, to start thinking about the game a little bit more instead of just kind of seeing a move um, and then trying to recreate it, which is awesome. It's like seeing a move and then seeing the details within the move. Yeah. And then trying to recreate it. So, yeah, like know, really slowing um, it down is what I noticed about yeah. it. J- just like the, okay, man, like it's a six part Euro step move. Let me make sure I can get part one. It's not just about putting the ball above my head, you know? Like, right. Cause it's like everything's connected, you know? And that's what I think sometimes people don't, players have a you know, struggle with, but it's like, you know, basketball simple and it's got to put the ball in the goal. Um, put the ball in the but hoop. Within, <laughs> yeah, but within the game, it's like, you know, there is little details that can definitely help. So um, I've enjoyed doing it. You know, it's given me time to really go back and look at film and do all a bunch of that stuff. So it's been fun for me. Do you, are, are and I don't, I know you're with Pure Sweat and I don't know too much about mm-hmm. that, but are you, do you focus more on like, college guys trying to go pro or college kids trying to get better the next year? Are you more like high school kids who are hoping to go D one or do you just like, you just rent yourself out to every and anyone? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I started my career with what we call a caddis, which is like groups of kids, um, working out together and it's like youth and high school kids. Um, so that's how I kind of started my career. And then, um, you know, I built that up built that up and then actually the day after I graduated from college here in Kansas City I moved to LA um because I wanted to pursue the kind of the higher level um of basketball so the pre-draft stuff the NBA stuff the college kids looking to prepare for the NBA um and I still do the youth and high school stuff uh but like the higher level is kind of where I'm really trying to kind of make my niche eventually God. okay and how's that going for you like I almost it's feel good, like man. I will. I was about to say like so. I always think of like six degrees of separation, right? And like if you wanted to contact a particular person that you had no shot of contacting, how many degrees away from you are them? Are they right? So like you might be my one degree away from NBA contact, first person I've ever spoken to, <laughs> which is why I was asking. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, I love what I do. Um, it's going pretty well. Um. Obviously, you want you always want things to be, you know, you always want more, and you always want you know bigger, faster, quicker, get there faster. Um, but you know, I feel like I'm in a decent spot, like in my journey, and like, you know, if two years ago, like I would have been like, all right, here's where you're at. Like, I think I would have been, I think I would have signed up for it. Um, not the quarantine part, but like <laughs> the, the career part. Um, right. But you know how it is. It's like kind of like what you're saying. You're just you're almost like always feel like you're one, you're one contact away. You're one, someone giving you opportunity away from like really kind of exploding. Um, so it's just like, how do you put yourself in those positions to, to give yourself a better chance yeah, to get to that right. point, I guess. Dude, I was actually going to ask. So what did you see as like your break? Did you like just happen to be in a gym with a kid and then like the kid goes pro and now all of a sudden he tells a friend and he's like, Hey man, I got this dude, Luke. And he, hooked me up with some stuff or like, how does that happen? Or what so, was your break? It's a good question. I don't know if I've, I don't think I've had it yet. I think I've had a lot of like small breaks. You know, I think like a lot of stuff kind of went my way. Um, 
so I'll just take you back to kind of how I got into it. If that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Think, man. Like it all kind of like makes sense. So it's like the first thing that happened was, um, my kind of, I want to say boss, but I guess my boss right now, um, I'm kind of underneath him. I don't know if boss is the right term, but my mentor basically drew Hamlin. Um, so he owns pure sweat and okay. he actually came to my high school and did a clinic for me when I was in a sophomore in high school. So at that point he was like just out of college, he was traveling the world, um, putting on clinics and he was training like three or four or five NBA guys. And I remember talking to him after the camp. And at that point, like for me, you know, I'm a five, eight white kid. Uh, so like, you, so you got D one all over you. Offers right, yeah, are just pouring are in. Up for me. Yeah. Krzyzewski's sitting um, there and is like, man, you're going to be my next Woj. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Physical specimen, right? So it's like, <laughs> at that point, like I loved basketball. And I really wanted, I only knew that you could play or coach. And obviously, like, I knew I wasn't going to, like, play, like, professionally. So I was like, oh, I would be a coach. But then when Drew came in, he opened my eyes to, like, this other side of basketball that, like, was business related too. Um, and he was traveling the world. And I was like, damn, like, that's crazy. I didn't even know that that was kind of a possibility. Right. Um, so I love that. And then I, you know, actually ran my first camp that summer. So I ran my first camp when I was like a sophomore in high school. Oh, no way. Um, really loved it. It was awesome. You know, 10 kids in the, in the small town I grew up in came, whatever. Um, did you clear or was it just free for the experience or did you charge? So it was bullshit actually. Like I paid, I got, <laughs> I paid or they charged them like 20 bucks, but it was like at the time I didn't know what the NCAA like rules were. Okay. And so I was like, all right, well, is this an improv? You know how the NCAA is. They just like, you never know what the rules are. So I was like, all right, I don't know if I can charge or not. Um, oh, in order so up- oh, to maintain your eligibility. As right. A, oh, okay. I'm with right. you. I'm with you. So I ended up losing money, unfortunately, because I made t-shirts. <laughs> um, fucking gear. But, it's always the gear that gets you. Yeah. And like, I would have came out with like 150, 200 bucks, but like, I didn't, my coach was like, I don't know if you can charge. And I was like, all right, whatever. Um, but I did that. And then possibly my biggest break was like my biggest, um, probably, you know, the thing I struggled with in my life the most, and that was going into my junior year. So, like, even though I was 5'8 and white, like, I was pretty good. Like, played varsity as a freshman, averaged, like, 16 as a sophomore, like, was on one of the best, like, you know, AAU teams in the area. Um, and then one day my junior year, I woke up with, like, pain um, in my leg, my left, like, thigh, and didn't know what it was. Kept getting worse and worse, and it was to the point where, like, if I worked out, like, really hard i would just start like throwing up oh, man. um and so i was like okay long story short got two or three procedures done had to fly to florida twice they ended up cutting some nerves um because they thought it was like nerve damage stuff um none of it worked and so holy shit um junior year i only got to play six games because i was like in and out of like surgeries senior year i finally told like my parents and like there was one point where i was taking like 30 pills a day like um, pain pills or like just like Tylenol, ibuprofen, and then like some other pain pills, not like, you know, the crazy shit. Yeah. The, um, okay. I wasn't sitting in class high. Um, <laughs> but a bunch of stuff. Well, I thought maybe that like, would be the entrepreneur in you. All of a sudden now right, you're just yeah, peddling so this shit out, right? Like, yeah. I've, never, I've actually never drank or done any drugs. I should have just flipped it all. Um, <laughs> so I remember telling like my parents, you know, 
I was like, guys, like we got to stop. Like basketball for me at that point was everything in my life. And like, because I was the kid that woke up, went to the gym at 5am every day. Like it was just like my identity almost. Right. Uh, And we were just trying all these different things. And it was like every doc, you know how it is. Like doctors are awesome and like everything, but like they all kind of feel like they can fix it. Yeah. So it's like, I never went to one and they were like, Oh, we don't know. Yeah, right. They were like, Oh, you know, it's this. Yeah, yeah. And it like, wasn't that. Um, and I remember I got like six shots in my stomach. And like, after that, I told my mom and dad, I was like, guys, like I'm done with this. Holy like, shit, dude. All from I'm fucking gonna... leg pain. Like this, this, yeah. what was the pain they like? Just... It felt like someone just punched me in the nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. You're just waking up feeling that way. When I say thigh pain, it was like testicle pain. Gotcha. Um, Holy shit. And so it's just like got really bad when I, when I worked out really hard. Right. Um, And so whatever, long story short, I was just like, yo, I'm done. I'm done with this. And I remember like, dude, that had to be devastating. I, fucking a oh, it's, for a kid. Yeah, it's, well, it's just, you know, it's hard when you're 17 years old, you just don't have any perspective right. on, on life. And it's like, that was basketball playing basketball was like the end all be all for me. Um, and it was like, well, I don't know kind of what's next. And for a while, like I was in like a weird kind of a weird spot. And I remember, I still remember the night. It was like eleven ten at night because I remember looking at my like alarm clock, and I was like, "All right, I'm done. Like, I'm done trying stuff, and I'm done feeling bad about it. Um, you know, it is what it is. So it's like, what's next? Um, and at that point, like, I knew I wasn't going to play anymore. Um, so then I started to like be like, "All right, well, like, let's see what this training business is like." Um, and so like. It's crazy because let me ask you before yeah. before you got there because I'm wondering why um why did you go training over coaching? So I actually thought at one point maybe I wanted to be a coach, and so that night where I decided like, yo, I'm done with like feeling bad, I got to move on, figure out what's next. I emailed a bunch of schools like in my area, um, and I was like, all right, like I'm going to be a student manager. Because, like, I might want to get into coaching. I still want to be around basketball. So I emailed them all. I was like, hey, like, so-and-so, this is Luke. Um, looking for a student manager position because I think I want to go into coaching one day. And so I still wasn't quite sure exactly which route I was going to take. Um, but I was like, all right, I'll be a student manager. I'll be around the game. And then maybe I'll fall into that kind of coaching lane. Um or maybe I'll do some training on the side. Like I just didn't know, gotcha. um, but I knew I didn't just want to go to school to go to school and just do nothing. Right. If that makes sense. No. Yeah. Um, and you know, I emailed a bunch of people, UMKC, which is a small division one in Kansas city, um, hit me back like right away. Um, so you're thinking, I, man, way too desperate, way too desperate. <laughs> yeah. Like this guy is like psycho. Right. So I was like, um, so I met with him and I ended up going to UMKC. Um, and I did the student manager thing for a year, but I was also training on the side. Um, and it's crazy because like, if I would have gone to play college basketball, like none of that injury stuff would have happened. I would have gone to like a D2 probably. Um, whatever, four years. And then after four years, like, it's like, now what? You know what right. I mean? Like I was, I would have been in the same position I was, as a senior in high school. So instead of going to play, like I ended up building 
ended up training while I was in college. Like my first academy had four kids. Um, and by the time I was done, we were seeing 250, 300 kids a year. Oh, wow. And so it's like that setback, like allowed me to start like focusing on like what I wanted to actually do with my life. Yeah. Well, you're going um, pro straight out of high school, right? Which is what the NBA no, so, should let people so that do. That was all like, <laughs> those, those were all like, yeah, youth and high school kids. So I was just like youth and all, youth and high school kids there. Um, oh no, man. I meant like you professionally, it's like whatever Kobe Bryant, like all the high school kids that have to go one and done just almost like it gets in the way of them making money. Right. And the whole point is like, now I got to, I wasted a year or three years of earning potential before I get my big contract. So I was almost like referring that to you. It's like, yeah, dude, if you're going to be this professional thing, why do you need to tread water for four years of playing ball? I, I get the experience aspect, but if, entrepreneur is your thing if business is your thing skip the four years just fucking start earning earlier right yeah and it's like i never would have i never would have thought of it like that until you know whatever um yeah no that's a great happened so you know ended up working out and it was like um you know i remember drew kind of my mentor told me like hey listen you need to save up he's like if i was you i would save up x amount of dollars and then once you graduate, you should move to LA and start trying to like really get in with the pros. Cause that's where all the pros go in the summer. Um, so I was like, all right. So for four years, my only goal was like to get X amount of dollars. Um, so I could to make that, um, kind of cross country trip right. or move. And so ended up working out so far. Do you still have the pain? Did you ever figure that I out? Do. I do. I still have it. I'm way better at managing it now. Um, I just kind of know like, when to stop it um like when to like chill out like if i'm working out and stuff um and so i still deal with it it's not i'm just better at kind of managing it it's not i don't feel like it's nearly as bad you know like one of the things they told me like when i had one of the surgeries like the nerve surgery they were like listen it could be four to six years before you like feel the difference which like felt crazy to me (laughs) like i don't really understand that um but like my recovery time, like if I feel it, like my recovery time now, it's like a couple hours compared to like when I was in high school, it would be like a day oh, where wow. I would just be like, fuck. Um, so but does it get you more when you're working out, like just trying to keep in shape for you or does it screw with you? Like when you're working people out, like whatever you bust a pad or you're trying to play defense on a dude. And, um, yeah, it's not like really what it is. It's like, if I go out and play pickup for an hour and a half, like that'll be, I'll feel that pretty bad. Gotcha. Uh, if I'm just running, it's not so bad. It's like more so like quick movements when you don't really know that you're going to do it. Right. Um, it's weird um, how it kind of works. But like, yeah, playing, playing is not ideal. Um, and then some other like cardio stuff kind of gets in some, some type of lifting stuff. But, you know, it's just one of the things like it's like being, you know, lactose intolerant. You just kind of. Yeah. Once you're like, once you know what to do, you just kind of almost forget about it. You just kind of live without that stuff. Gluten free training. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Man, dude, so that has to piss you off. So if you're a gym rat 5 a.m. guy and now you're like doing drills with stuff, I'm sure them dudes fuck with you. Like, come on, man, play one on one. And they like, I'm sure at some point some of these high school dudes or whoever want to test you and you got to kind of hold back. That's got to, like, that that would eat me up. Yeah, it does. And it's like, but here's the other thing. It's like, I suck now. So, <laughs> like, I don't, because I don't, play, like, I, don't, I haven't worked out like hard in basketball for like since I was like a junior in high school. Right. Like, 
even my senior year, I played almost every game, but I never practiced because like I couldn't do both. So it's like, I just don't like, I don't care to be good anymore. I just care that I can get people good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's almost like I miss the competitive part of it because I'm super competitive. Um, but it's weird. It's almost like I can't let myself go back because it'll just open a door that like, I know I can't go down. Right. Of like, you know, playing once and then losing and being like, screw this. Like I get, I gotta get better. I gotta get back. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's almost like I just have to leave it, leave it be. Um, and I can play a little bit with my guys enough to kind of, you know, talk some shit and and things like that. It's just, it's not, you know, I was a guy that would work out, you know, a couple hours a day. That's just not realistic anymore. Gotcha. So what was your, um, what was one of your cooler LA workouts when you finally got there and you were like, okay, I got a chance. I could actually do this as a career. Yeah, my first guy, um, my first NBA guy was Langston Galloway, who um, plays for the Pistons now. Did he go? And, did he go Duke? No, so he went to he went to St. John, St. Joe's. Oh, okay, um, but then he like was brought up by the Knicks, so he played with the Knicks for a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah, um, and then he just actually had like his career year for the Pistons, but. He was like my first guy because like Drew Hanlon, my mentor, I'd mentioned like um, Langston and reached out to him. And um, he basically was like, hey, I'm about to have a kid. I can't come to L.A. Do you have anyone that can come to Baton Rouge, which is where he's from, um, and work me out for like a week or two? And so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Like, I'll go anywhere, whenever. Um, And so that was like my first like guy that I worked out. I remember being super nervous because like obviously I was 23 at the time and like, um, (laughs) you know, you just like, I just didn't know. Like, I didn't know like if he was going to rock with me. I didn't know if I was in over my head. Right. Um, and you know, I remember sitting in the hotel after the first workout and I was like, yo, like, I feel like I killed that. Like, I feel like, I feel like it went well. You know, you never know sometimes and stuff. Um, what made you think that, that what made you think that it went well? I'm I'm su- so like I'm kind of I'm a middle school basketball coach and I'll do like open yeah. gyms in the summer and shit. And I get super curious about how other people coach and train other kids. So I mean, I'm not asking it um to be like are you sure it went well or anything like that, but like I'm like shit you were like, "Oh man, I just built up the skills. I just kept everything moving. The dude seemed super engaged or he's hitting targets that I'm setting." I guess that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I think it was more him being engaged and, like, me being able to answer his questions almost. It was, like, him being, you know, there's some guys that, like, come into a gym and, like, you can tell they're there physically but not there mentally. Um, Or, like, they're not, you know, they're going, like, 80% and you're just, like, especially pros, it's, like, hard to be, like, early on be, like, bro, come on, pick it up. You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) And so – he was going hard. Like we were doing two a days. Um, you know, I, I remember like after the first workout, he was on the ground, just like sprawled out, like about to pass out because he was going so hard. Um, and I think he posted it on like Instagram and it was like a story of like, you know, just got that good work in or something. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like yeah. classic millennial, like, you know, confirmation. Right. Um, so it was like that. Like, I don't know. You can just tell like, I feel like I have a pretty good gauge on like if guys are rocking with it. Um, and some days like you're teaching, it just feels better than other days. I feel like too. 
like you're able to like pick up on certain stuff and give them good teaching points. And then after the teaching point, they get it. Um, so it was just one of those days where I was like, all right, that was good. Like I, I belong. <laughs> did, okay. Did he come to you saying, Hey man, I really want to work on this. Or did you kind of study his game and say, Hey man, I think this is your area. Do you like talk to his coaches or assistant coaches to be like, what role is this guy going for? Yeah. So I studied all of his film for the last like two or three years. Um, so I kind of knew, I kind of knew what he needed. And then he actually just got like Dwayne Casey was at the rap, like with the Raptors. Um, he got like let go and then he got picked up by the Pistons. So I knew like he was getting a new coach. So then what I did was I went and watched all the Raptors games from the year before. So I could kind of see like how he ran his system. Okay. Um, and then I was like, all right, like, here's kind of what the Raptors do. Here's probably, you know, the different spots that you'll be in. Um, and so I think having that type of backup with like knowing that I put in all that work and all that film yeah, yeah. and like can't really lie with film, right. um, that helped. And then it's always a conversation of like, Hey, like, what do you want to get at? Like, what are the two or three things you want to get out of the summer? You know, here's my two or three things. Hopefully they, you know, coexist. If not, we can definitely, you know, hit them all. Um, just trying to like have that conversation and make sure everyone's on the same page with kind of what we're trying to get at. Man, that's, um, yeah, that's something that I don't think, I don't know, like it can be very easily overlooked if you see a guy in a gym training somebody, but like the hours of preparation to figure out like, oh dude, like we got to ditch this 18 foot, whatever jumper, man, we got to extend your range. We're going to focus on wing threes, not corners because that's not the shot that you get in the system in this position. Like that's, yeah. that's fucking intricate, man. Yeah. And it has to be. Cause it's like, for me, all my stuff has to go back to like, I know your game just as well, if not better than you. And I know what you need to do probably more than you. And it's like, that's how I get my trust because yeah, I am that's a the credibility, right? Right. So it's like, I can't rely on like, hey, here's what I used to do. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like yeah. everything that I do, um, my guys have to know that like, if I'm singing it, I, it's thought out. It's for a reason. It's not just like an off the cup, you know, just making something up. Right. Um, so that's how I get my buy-in, you know, for other guys, it's, it's much easier. Um, you know, guys that already have, you know, five or six all-stars, it's like their credibility is in that, you know, I haven't got to that point yet. So my credibility has to be in the fact that like, I'm the stuff I'm telling them is, stuff that actually makes sense and is actually like predicated on their game and what they need. Um, so normally once I see that, they're kind of all in. Yeah. It dude, that's, um, that's like a great investment for a kid trying to be professional and grow, like just paying a dude to study my film and figure out how I can improve in blank areas. Like that's, it's almost like uh, hiring like a nutritionist. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it just, yeah, hundred percent. is it, is it pretty typical that dudes are like paying for that kind of depth in a trainer or do they just like to, most dudes are just like, Oh man, just put me through like a, whatever conditioning workout kind of a thing to stay in shape. You know, I think it's, um, you get, you get a little bit of both. I think some guys just kind of want to get sweat, a sweat in, you know, keep their cardio. Um, there's other guys that like, all right, I want to take a leap this summer. You know, so, you know, some guys just want to come in the gym, get their shots up and, you know, just kind of, you know, like if you're a veteran, if you're, if you've been in the league for 10 years, it's like, you don't need to be doing hard workouts every day in the summer. Like 
your body being able to play 82 games is probably worth more for you than like learning a new move. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Right. You know, but if you're a younger guy who like is trying to make a name for himself or trying to get more playing time or a guy who's trying to get drafted, it's like, those are the guys that can really take, take a huge leap during, you know, a normal off season. Right. Do you do much stuff defensively or is it pretty much always like offensive focused? Um, with training? Uh, I would say 90% of it is offense. Um, If a guy has a huge, if he's a huge liability defensively, um, then we'll definitely hit that because it's like, you know, stupid not to. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, but for most guys, like they don't want to come in during the off season and work on defense. Um, Because a lot of defense, like outside of like knowing the coverages and knowing like techniques, it's just like, you know, it's more so like, all right, can your foot speed get quicker? And you're probably doing that with your strength and conditioning guy anyway. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like those two kind of overlap for the most part. Um, now, if you're a complete liability, then, yeah, we got to work on that because that's going to keep you from getting on the court. Right. Um, but for the most part, it's offensive stuff. Yeah, and it might just be me being a layman, but, like, defense, dude, if you're athletic <laughs> enough to be in the NBA, you probably almost naturally can just play some pretty good defense. Yeah, it's really just about like being smart with, you know, understanding the coverages and being smart. It's just about being kind of smart um, and not, you know, just, you know, you're going over the screen when the cover's called for you to go under it. And then, you know, you screw up everybody else. Yeah. You know, a lot of defense, too, is just like watching film because those are the mistakes that a lot of people make. It's not so much like, hey, this guy just blew by you. Like we got to get better at it. Yeah, pivot open um, forty five degrees next time. Yeah, <laughs> and so there is some of that. Your guys are just like really bad at closing out or whatever. Like you can fix that, um, but you know how it is. It's like, dude, if you just try really hard, like you'll probably be okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> just try. Hey, just give a little effort. Yeah. God, man. So when you watch NBA games, are you able to watch it and enjoy it? Or do you just watch it and fucking drills are popping in your head being like, oh man, if I had two weeks in the gym with this guy, I could have blank or, oh, he really needs to work blank. Um, there's definitely times I just sit there and watch it as a fan because like, you know, it's like the NBA finals, like the NBA finals are during the off season. And so we're in the gym for 10 hours a day. Like I try not to go home, watch a game and then be like still locked in on footwork and stuff. Um, But it's just kind of naturally how like your brain goes. Like there's definitely times where I fan out. Um, But then it's like, after that, I want to see like the slow-mo of the footwork on how they did it Um, because I actually enjoy it. So like I can definitely sit there and watch a game, but for the most part, it's, it's like, trying to see stuff that'll help me and my players. Um, yeah. Cause it's hard. Like, it's hard to turn that part of your brain off. Cause that's just like what you do. Right. Um, so it's a little bit of both and I enjoy it. So it's not like I'm sitting there with a pen and paper, just writing down stuff necessarily. Um, but it is, you know, trying to like look at a game, enjoy it, but still see the stuff you need to see to maybe help some guys. Do you allow yourself to rock any sort of like, like, can you have a favorite team or does that alienate you? <laughs> or you're like, dude, I don't want to say, you know, whatever I'm into the Lakers because then I might not get a client from the Clippers. No, I don't mind. Like, 
I'm always a fan of my players first and then their teams, no matter what. So it's like I'm a fan of my players individually and then their teams. Um, and then after that, it's like I like the Lakers. I grew up a Kobe fan, so like I grew up a Lakers fan. Um, but I'm not like a diehard like fan anymore. Um, yeah, because you can't really do that, right? Do you remember um, where you were when you heard about Kobe passing away? Yeah, I was at an airport. Um, oh no, shit! Yeah, I was at an airport, uh, and I actually got to to meet him and talk to him multiple times. Um, one of my best friends trained uh, Gigi's team, so trained like the Mambasitas. Um, what a great fucking name, so, Jesus! Yeah, and so I got to go and like uh, help him out a couple times. Um, Got to talk shit to Kobe a few times, which is something that like I don't feel like a lot of people no get way. to do. Did he just brush uh, you off? Did he just like suck his teeth and was like, "Get out of here, bitch"? Or did it like make him lock uh, in? And so he like, was like, <laughs> "It was funny." Like we were going, and they needed to scrimmage. Um, like Kobe's daughter team needed um, some people to help scrimmage. So it was like me, my buddy, um, and a couple other people were playing like five on five, or you know. I think they were in sixth grade girls at this time, right? Like <laughs> that was like how good they were. And I come down, I missed two straight threes, and then there's like a water break. And I, we come over, and he looks at me. He's like, "Damn, bro, you're gonna make a shot." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, listen, man, I'm a volume shooter. If anyone should understand, it should be you." <laughs> and he was just like, "The only thing I need to understand is five, motherfucker." And he started pointing <laughs> to his rings. Um, and so it was just like that's his go-to. That's his classic. trump. And it was like something that, like, you know, I'll never forget. Obviously, <laughs> and I remember like a month later, I walked back in the gym, and like again, I hadn't forgot it. But it's like you know, it's Kobe. He's got a bunch of stuff going on. He hasn't seen me for a month. Yeah. I walked back in. He's like, "What's up, volume?" No way. Like, Jesus. You know, that's just how special he was with his. Like, he just doesn't forget stuff. You know right. what I mean? Um, and it's like obviously that tragedy is beyond sad for so many reasons um but yeah he's uh he was special and how he taught those girls were special um those girls in general were unbelievable how they worked was unbelievable it was you know just kobe being kobe i guess right dude i so i'm what am i i'm almost 40 right but i, I wasn't around when jfk got shot and i right. i never understood why it impacted society so, so much. Cause I never really experienced it. Even nine 11 for me, I like it shook me, but I was fucking 20 and it was, it, it didn't really impact me emotionally. I shouldn't say that it fucked me up, but it wasn't like, I, I didn't cry. I got more angry. I don't know if that's cause right. I was a young guy, dude. And maybe it's cause I'm a dad, but like when I turned on the news and saw that, like I was fucking weeping. My daughter was like, daddy, what's wrong? <laughs> Like, like yeah, did, I, the, the pain that like America felt was amazing, was an amazing testament to that man. Yeah, it was wild. Right. Like I remember, um, like I cried every day for like a week, a little bit. Um, cause it was, there were so many things. Kobe just meant so much to like my love of basketball growing up. Um, and it was like, he was just immortal. And then to know him, to know Gigi a little bit, and to like have the and the other girls and families to have a little bit of that connection, yeah, that uh, killed yeah. me. Um, like I said, like one of my best friends was like 
really, really close with Kobe and Gigi and the team. And it's like, then like, you know, every day I would just, my heart would break for that and for him. Um, you know, and it was just, it really was crazy how like, it felt like the world stopped. Um, and I've never experienced any, any celebrity death in my life or any death period that like kind of made me feel like that. Or I felt like made the people around me feel like that. Kind of like what you were saying. Um, it was really crazy. And I think it just shows how, how special he was and how much he meant to, to people in the basketball world, but just kind of people in their life and kind of just like that Mamba mentality of like, I'm going to get it done. Um, just fucking dominate. Just like, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And like what sucks is like, you know, he was so good with his words and he was really like, the amount of people he was going to inspire, you know, in the next 30 years of his life was. Oh, Jesus, dude. Cause now that he's not having to train, like I'm sure he obsessively trained, he gets to almost like take that, um, that focus and now just apply it to everyone else. Like his coaching tree would have been fucking sick. I guess business tree would have been sick because yeah. it wasn't just going to be coaching. Yeah. We just, you know, we got robbed of, I've seen those girls go grow up and play in the WNBA and we got robbed of, you know, a bunch of wisdom from, from Kobe. So just that's when 2020 really started just taking downhill climb. For <laughs> yeah. Fall. yeah. I, yeah. The Corona thing just, I mean, it, it sucks, but it's not tragic to, to that i guess it's not that it's not tragic but fucking like it just that kobe moment was just heartbreak it was shattering well, it, was just, it was out of nowhere you know Dude. it was just wait what like and then it's like is it true is it yeah you know like who else was on the play in the you know there's just so many layers to it but yeah awful dude i just as a as a dad right and because if Kobe, what and i've never met the man but like hearing how competitive he is and in and to to die that way, like you can't do anything. Right. Yeah. And I like, I'm, I'm looking at my daughter being like, my last thought would be, how do I protect and save my daughter? And I think it really hit me that hard. Cause I was like, Jesus, like that poor man had to feel that like helpless to protect his own kid, to protect all those children. Yeah. Like fucking yeah. a man. I just, I think that's what got me. That's really what hit me. Yeah. I think for a lot of people that was, that was it. You know, it's, it's a terrible situation. Man, I didn't mean to get so sad. Fucking a. No, you're good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know. Oh man, yeah. I um, and it's funny because with the Jordan documentary coming up, um, everybody, all the sports people, you know, LeBron or Jordan, LeBron or Jordan. I'm surprised that Kobe's name isn't getting thrown in there along with Jordan and LeBron as like goat talk. You know. Yeah, you know. People, you know, sports are gone, so people need something to debate. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, did you watch it last night? Oh, yeah, dude, two hours. Straight yeah, up. Yeah, it went by in like, like that. Like nothing, super quick. Dude. Jesus, yeah. so how fucking ballsy are, what was the GM's name? Jerry? Kraus, I yeah, think. Kraus, right? Who the yeah. fuck are you to be like, openly, nah, I know you guys just got five out of seven. Um, Nah. I just want to do something else. Like who the fuck are you yeah. to tell Phil Jackson? Like it, it, it that, I couldn't get over that part. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I didn't really think like, I just didn't know it was, it was, it went down like that necessarily to be honest with you. Yeah. The animosity uh, did, dude, they, Jordan would go by, be like, Hey man, you're going to get, are you on a diet? Are those uh, short yeah. pills? <laughs> I was fucking yeah. like, yo, that's the GM and you don't give yeah. a fuck. Oh my God. <laughs> like that and even them being like hey this is his last year like 
that would never happen nowadays. You oh, know, dude. like a coach just wins two championships in a row, and they're like, "Hey, this is his last year, no matter what." Like that's wild. That it's it's beyond wild. Well, and it's like the player empowerment to demand trades now. I I didn't remember Scottie Pippen being like while he was injured, being like, nah, I can't play for them anymore. Yeah, that was crazy too. Right? Like I I like today that would it like thank God there was no social media back then for them because th- that dude would have been traded in like a day and a half. Yeah, the no social media thing definitely came to their advantage, especially with Jordan. Like, you know, that dude was out golfing with people before games. He was like, you know, would take trips to Vegas before games. No doubt. And like <laughs> You know, obviously never affected his play. Um, but, like, you know, it just felt like that would have been a huge barrier. You know, Dennis Rodman, like, oh, Jesus, it just Jesus felt Rodman. like social media would have been, for them, would have been, you know, not ideal. Yeah, the judgment. It just would have been sitting there waiting for him to miss a shot or him to fuck up somehow, right? Get blown by or whatever. Right. And then all yeah. of a sudden it's like, oh, could no wonder he put 36 in. Yeah. He had 36 yesterday. Right. That's like, why he's too tired. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know if. The people who judge, I don't know if they, and I'm nowhere near, I'm more like you, man. I think I'm five, five, nine, five, ten in some good shoes, you know, and decently. Like, I'm in shape, but I'm not a fucking elite athlete. I don't think people understand how easy athletics are for elite athletes. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I'm like, I look at some of the kids in school, I'm like, dude, that's just naturally easy for this kid to be the fastest. He doesn't even really have to try, and he's right. killing everyone. You know, like, golf yeah. isn't going to bother this guy. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Yeah, I'm super interested to um, see about the Pippin stuff next, uh, and just no, they left it on a cliffhanger. I get it. I wish they could just release all ten, um, but that gives us something to look forward to during this time, I guess. Yeah, it's um, it's almost like that a uh, Game of Thrones syndrome where like a network knows, and it's so rare for them now to have like a time slot where people are gonna wait. Yeah, you know, and like that's what happened with Game of Thrones for a while. There, it was just straight up like, okay, shit, it's Sunday, like eight o'clock. I'm Game of Thrones, and um, that's yeah, what this think, is, dude. Like the whole fucking a whole sports country is just sitting there waiting. I think more people are going to start to look at that model again because it's like there's nothing. Like I get that you want to binge and you want people to be able to watch on their own time, um, but the value you get on like Game of Thrones of everyone tweeting about it at the same time, the value like. Obviously, this is a little different situation, but like last night, like anyone that loves sports at all, anyone that grew up watching the Bulls at all, um, you're locked in. Not only watching, but like they were on their Twitter and like scrolling, like dude, it becomes something that you share. Hundred percent. Yeah, the bench has taken the whole fucking water cooler type conversation the next day away because everyone's in a different spot. You don't want to fucking be the spoiler dick, you know, like it's, it, yeah. you don't know what to say and you're all picking up different parts. Um, it was, I think Donovan Mitchell had tweeted out that it was like, uh, I can't believe Oak slapped Scotty like that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. and you know exactly what he's talking to because everyone's talking watching about, it yeah. at the exact same time. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like, Networks are going to go back to that a little bit more if they can. Obviously, I only think it works like if you have a big time kind of show um, and series or whatever. But I think there's a ton of value in it. Right. Yeah, I hope so. It because it does. It just makes it way more social, um, just conversational, just fucking enjoyable to talk to people about. 
yeah, and it's like you kind of miss like you miss watching a show and like you can't go to the bathroom when you want to go to the bathroom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or get a snack. So yeah, true. Or get a snack. It's not like you just pause it, you know, and it's like, I don't know. It was just, it was fun. I'm looking forward to it. Dude, 100%. And they didn't over, I was thinking at first because they would be so hard up for revenue that they would like over commercialize it. But it like wasn't that bad, dude. The commercials were just like in out. Yeah, they were super quick. Yeah. So it um, just you just stayed in that moment, man. I was Yeah. I was afraid they were gonna have commercials all over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Damn. So what else? Um and I again I told you earlier I kind of suck at this formatting thing, the whole like share your story. Um, did you ever get to a story that you actually wanted to share? Or did I just keep um bogarting the conversation? No, you're good. I don't have I don't have much of a story. I think like my biggest takeaway was in life so far is like the thing that um, I thought was going to like hold me back and like my biggest adversity kind of set me up for kind of my biggest blessing. Mm. Um, and I think it's hard, you know, I know it was super hard for me during the moment to kind of realize that this, you know, maybe it was going to be good for me. Um, but it was, you know, and it's like, it's hard. It's hard anytime when you're in it because you know, you're a mo- part of it um and all that but sometimes if you can allow yourself to take a step back like sometimes you know you have to go down before you can go up so that was the biggest thing for me um and just in my life so far yeah well i think that's anything right you gotta you gotta suffer in order to have the resilience have fortitude you know have six i don't i don't know too many people who were like born into success and became more successful right you know um man so what would, that's actually, I was wondering when you had said, um, I'm kind of making it, but I'm not making it or whatnot. Do you have like a metric where it's like, oh man, if I make 200 K a year, or if I got 12 people, like 12 all pros or all, all NBA players that, um, I actually have their number in my phone. Like what would be success for you? Um, being happy. Number one, um, I know that's super cliche. But <laughs> I don't like, think it I is, think dude. That, I think that like just always remembering to keep that um, kind of there and being able to gauge like, you know, whatever you're doing is like, all right, am I still happy? Um, and not just like, am I happy today? Because you're going to have shitty days. But like overall, yeah. am, like, is like what I'm doing leading me towards like more happiness. Um, so that's number one. Like as far as metrics for training, it's like, I just want – if I had eight to ten guys that paid me consistently, I'd be good. Um, and so for me right now, I have like four. Oh, no uh, way. Like I like being full-time with my guys. Like I don't really care. Like if I got like five all-stars, that would be awesome. Um, but I'd rather – if those five all-stars are like really good people that I rock with. Um, I have no business in like just training the guy who's kind of an asshole who like, you know, I'm not super close with, um, just to say I train, like train them. Like I like, my favorite thing is like, I'm really close with my guys and I consider them like really good friends. Okay. Um, so like the relationship part of the, part of the whole thing is the biggest thing for me. Um, so that's it really. It's like eight to 10 guys that like paid me well, um, who I was close with and, and, and I'd be good. Um, obviously the more money, the better, but like, I don't need, uh, I live a pretty simple lifestyle. Um, so it's not like I need 
It's not like, hey, I need to make if I make five hundred k a year, like I'm good. Right. Um, I'd rather make three twenty and like be super pumped about it than make five hundred and kind of hate it. Gotcha. What um? What's some stupid stuff you buy where you're like, man, why am I spending my fucking money on this? Iced coffee. <laughs> Say again. Iced coffee. Oh no way. <laughs> How many of them a day? Like five, ten? No, just one. But those things run you four to five bucks a pop. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like this quarantine's kind of helped me because well, that's not the fact I'm not making money, so I guess it kind of doesn't. <laughs> but like, um, you know, like I don't, I just buy like, uh, like iced coffee that you can like buy in like a jug at the store or whatever, right? Um, instead of going to coffee shops. But like, I spend so much of my time, um like during the winter and stuff like on my computer, like doing stuff like that, that like I'll spend, or like if I go and like visit a player like Langston and, you know, let's say Detroit, um, like I don't want to just be like chilling at his home all day. So like, I'll just go to a coffee shop for like six, seven hours to get work in. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not going to go there and not buy something. Right. So it's like, yeah, iced coffee almost every day. Um, that's a purchase uh, that I'm not super pumped about. Let me think what else. It's really kind of it. Like, I don't really, uh, good for you. Not into the jewelry scene, huh? Or do you feel like you got to hang in some way with that? Nah. So like, I like really early on, like, so I've never drank or anything in my life. Um, and I only say that because it's like, I remember early on someone that was close to me was like, bro, you got to start drinking because like, you can't go out with these NBA guys and be the guy that's like not drinking and be the weirdo. Um, <laughs> And I was like, damn, like, like maybe that's true. Right. But like, um, I remember like one of the first times I went out was actually like all-star weekend in, in LA, like when I was like 22. Um, and someone was like, Oh, what you want to drink? And I was like, milk, Shirley temple. <laughs> um, and they're like, nah, bro, for real, like what you want? And I was like a Shirley temple. Uh, <laughs> They were like, what the fuck? So I got it. And they were like, you don't drink? And I was like, nah, like, I just want to show a temple. And it's like, I only say that because it's like, there's certain times where bro, like you are who you are. Right. Um, it's like, I'm not like, and so out, like once you get past the initial joke, yeah, um, yeah. everyone's cool with it. And it's like, I'm not the guy that goes out and like just sits there in the corner drinking like a water and it's like a weirdo. Right. Um, like I'm fun and I'm silly and stuff like that. I didn't like, know I'm you. Fun. I didn't know you saw me when I was in the club that night. Yeah, yeah. You're the weirdo <laughs> in the corner checking his phone. Uh, it's actually a book. I normally go in something classical. Yeah. Catcher in the it's rye. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little flashlight pen. Hey, get yeah. it how you live. Uh, <laughs> and so that's just like I was like, all right, like I'm not going to get into the jewelry scene because like if I do that, like the crowds that I can like sometimes hang around with like with NBA guy, it's like, bro, I can't compete with, yeah, I can't compete with that shit. Like it's no. Um, and for me it was like, money's always been freedom for me. Like money allowed me to go to LA and chase kind of my dream. Right. Um, so it's like, I care way more about like an opportunity coming up that I can say yes to without thinking about than me having to be like, uh, I don't know. Cause I just bought this $40,000 Rolex. Yeah, dude, that's, that's you know? so fucking wise. How old are you? Uh, I turned 25 two days ago. Oh, no way. Dude, yeah, for a fucking 25-year-old to have that kind of perspective when um, like most of America is just fucking saddled with debt, it's um, yeah. I, I, that's awesome perspective, dude. 
Yeah, I, uh, I had great parents that kind of like installed that in me like pretty early on. Um, and I don't know, like I'm also super, like I have a super addictive personality. So it's like, I try to stay away from stuff that like I know is just going to cost me money. Gotcha. Is <laughs> like, that a lot? Is that why you don't drink or why don't you drink? Yeah, that's part of it. So it started like in high school. It was like I wanted a competitive advantage on on the court. Oh. And it was like I wanted to be able to wake up Saturday morning, go work out. Like, you know what I mean? One yeah. of those things. TV 12. Uh, yeah, right. And then in college, like I was growing my business. So it was the same thing. It was like, yo, like, I got workout Saturday morning um, or Sunday morning. Like I don't want to be hung over and be out till 4 a.m. Because to me, it's not so much the drinking. It's like – most of the time, especially in the college scene, if you go out and drink, like you're staying up super late, you're getting up super late. Right. And so I was just never really about that scene. Like I wanted to wake up in the morning and be able to like function and think and, and be fine. Um, and But there's definitely a part of it where it's like I, I do have an addictive personality, I think. So it's like, you know, why even go down that road? Like if I don't need to. Like people are like, well, like, why don't you drink now? It's like, well, I don't like – I feel pretty good about like normal life. I don't, you know what I mean? It's like, what's like, I don't need to drink. Right. Um, I think like I can see myself getting into wine later, but like, I feel like you need a lot of money to like really enjoy wine. Um, not after the but, third glass, man, after the third glass, it all tastes <laughs> yeah. the same. <laughs> yeah. But it's just weird Cause it's like, you know, people like, it's like the same conversation. It's like, you go like, what do you want to drink? So, uh, Sherwood Temple or water. You're like, oh, you don't, you don't want something to drink? He's like, no, nah, I don't drink. What do you mean you don't drink? And you have to answer the same question seven times. Right. And like, like, never? I was like, no, never. So you do not have one sip. It's like, bro, I just said never. Like, <laughs> I don't know what your definition of never is compared to mine. Right. Uh, <laughs> but it's just like, what's the confusing? main point is like, I just don't think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I don't think, it's not hard not to do, people are like, oh, I respect it. And it's like, well, dude, like, it's not hard not to do something if you've never done it. Like you don't know what you're missing out on. Right. Right. Like I didn't drink coffee for until like three years ago and it was never hard for me not to drink coffee. until I started drinking coffee. So yeah. it's like, it's, you know, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Wow. Man. So like well, you're, well, I was good gonna... example is better than any alcoholic drink you get. So it says Joel Embiid as well. Right. Isn't that That's what, what I'm saying? I like a temple. <laughs> Dude, I'm surprised like they don't see you as like, okay, you're a trainer. You're like a health guy. So like you don't drink. That makes sense. Like I'm surprised they kind of don't like go that route with the thought process. No, I think they're just kind of like, and my guys are all cool with me. They get it. Like it's, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Um, I just have never, I just, the biggest thing is I just never felt like I wanted to. Like I've never been like, oh, I can't wait to like go get drunk with my friends. Right. So it's like, I don't know. It's just not that big a deal to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that, um, I don't know, I, like ambition or whatever. Like when people get on that grind, they get that focus and, uh, they, it's not even the sacrifice, but they just make better choices when they're, when they have goals, when they have purpose. Yeah, for sure. Um, right. which is why you need purpose in life. Otherwise things can go downhill quickly. Right. How, how geeked are your parents? The fact that you, um, have like NBA connections. Is that like a huge, is your dad a huge sports guy? Mom, a huge sports person, or they're just like, Oh, my son uh, trains tall people. I think that they're like happy for the fact that 
um, you know, I'm doing what I want to be doing. Um, you know, they're super supportive. Like I was like, yo, I want to train and like, want to move out to LA and like, you know, at no point were they like, well, let's get you a desk job. Well, um, yeah, but so like, and I'm going to might be like over stereotypical, but like how common is it for Missouri or even a fucking like breadbasket person to like go West like that or go East? Uh, that's that super to be. common. Um, you know, like, like I said, like the day after I graduated, I just moved, um, and kind of left everything that I'd built. Like that was the hardest part. It's like, I had, you know, I think I made like my senior year in high school or in college, I made like $80,000. Um, Holy shit, dude. Running training. Training. Yeah. And so Jesus, I basically left all of that to go chase something else. Um, and definitely took a pay, a pay cut a little bit, um, at first or whatever. And so like that was kind of hard. It is kind of hard to like deal with sometimes. Um, but they were always like, go do it. You know, I think some parents, like, I remember I like was talking to this girl once and like, I stopped talking to her cause she was just like, I have to be like close to my parents and like close to my family. And like, my family doesn't want me to leave, you know, doesn't want me to live outside of an hour away from them. <laughs> and I was oh, wow. just like, um, I was like, what? Like, I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly. See ya. Yeah. I was like, why would they say, <laughs> I just didn't understand like their thought process. Um, because my parents the whole time were like, Hey, like lit, like my brother now lives in DC. Um, and so like, I don't know. It was just, I'm just, I was just feel lucky that like, I never had to deal with any of those, you know, family barriers of like my parents not supporting my dream. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like that's really hard um, to kind of, to kinda overcome. Deal with and, like, oh, hell yeah. I dude. value, you know, I value like what my parents think about me, like probably more than 99% of, you know, kids my age. And it's like, it would have been really hard if they were like, if I didn't have like their support. Um, so I feel super, super lucky for that. Shout out mom. Shout out dad. Yeah. Mom and dad are like, yeah, they're awesome. Man, yeah, I just I, I'm again going like Midwest and like you're, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to LA. I'm gonna go try to train. Like that's as a parent, that would be tough to be like, oh yeah, here's your blessing. Go ahead. <laughs> that's, that's a yeah, lot I mean, of trust you know, in a kid. I think it did make it easier the fact that like I was bringing in money, you know. Yeah. So like, so they knew like you a, were good at it. Like, all right, well, like you know, there was growth in like the business and like he's financially stable. Um, you know, it's not like I was, I want to be an actor and I was working a waitress job, um, <laughs> like, but you were in local theater, right? But it's like, yeah, no, no, I'm I think in local that definitely theater. helped um, the fact, but like still, did they talk to you? Did, was there a moment where they were like, um, so you're five, eight white, like, why are you going to be successful out there? We get that you're successful here. Did they like get you with the, um, I don't know if it's like, would be like body shaming or image shaming, but that's no, cause like. It's almost the opposite. Like, you can pick the best trainer in the world, which I don't even know who it is right now, and like versus me, and like my dad's picking me. So like sometimes like I gotta like, you know, bring him back to reality a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, like, so that's just kind of like again, I feel super like lucky to have like that where like, I think like my dad's irrational like confidence in his sons, kind of spewed over to us. Nice. Um, 
to where it was like, yo, I can do this. Like, and it's one of those things, like, if I would have thought about it more, like, yo, I'm 5'8", like, not even at 5'8", it's just the fact that I didn't play college basketball at a high level. Right. Um, but I went train the best players in the world. Like, that seems kind of daunting if you, like, sit there and think about it. But I never really – I don't know. I, I was training more and more players, so, like, it never really came into my head a ton um, until, like, I moved. And it was kind of, like, something that I was like, fuck, like, how are these pros going to deal with it? Um, yeah, because like, did was were you training in Missouri? Did you have like the rep, the website, or anything like that, or was it all just pretty much local people in that uh, region? Yeah, so I like trained all around Kansas and Missouri. Um, I had like my website and everything like that, and it was just, but it was just like, you know, I trained all like the Division One kids in the area eventually, um, which was huge for me to get all those kids. Um, and then just slowly kind of grind the way up from there. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, basketball is basketball. And it's like sometimes the best players aren't the best teachers because they've never had to really think about kind of like what you said earlier. You were like, you know, people don't realize how easy it is for certain athletes just to go out there and be good. Right. Um, and if that's how, like, you approach the game and, like, maybe you can't teach the game as well as you can play it because you've never had to think about stuff in ways that, someone else has right. um or like hey like do it like this because that's how i've done it but what if that player doesn't understand it like that you have to be able to do yeah. it say well do it try it this way or try it this way oh jesus um, dude so last like, night there was a part of the jordan video or jordan doc rick carlisle i didn't know rick carlisle was on the celtics and he was like having to guard jordan did you catch yeah. that yeah, he got cooked. Dude, he like yeah, and he, and he just like he just shrugs it off. He's like, "Oh fuck, what am I supposed to do?" But what happens? Like, why is he such a great coach? I'm sure that dude was fucking analyzing every little bit of that and trying to figure out what I got to do next to stop Jordan. Hundred percent. Yeah, right. Like that. That's a. I guess that's why most of the great players. Um, has there been a great player that's been a good coach? Uh, Larry Bird yeah, was I mean, decent, fun. right? Larry Bird was decent. Um, There's a lot of coaches that like played, that played and coached. Like Kevin McHale coached. Oh yeah, that's um, right. I forgot about him. He was okay. Um, You just go down the list of guys. A lot of them like played college basketball and then just couldn't quite get to the league. Right. Um, But like Ty Lue was a pretty good coach. You know, he was in the league. Yeah, but like, but he wasn't a dude that was gonna be like an all like a, a right. 50 greatest player, you know, like yeah. the, the well, upper echelon. It's hard, um, it's hard for them. And they make so much money <laughs> That's playing a good point that like too. they don't, you know, yeah. Why do you want to grind? You want to do with the coaching and like the stress. Right. Um, so I think that's part of it too. Yeah. That's actually a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Like, like you've really got to enjoy that grind and gym time to be a successful coach. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we'll see like Tim Duncan's an assistant on the Spurs now. Oh, so dude, he might yeah. be the first one to kind of fall in that footsteps, but yeah, he's just an odd dude. I love like what he's done with his hair since he stopped playing. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, dude. That's like that. To- it's almost like what Scottie Pippen's doing with his hair. And like all these dudes are like now in their like forties and they're just like, like Jay-Z's doing the same thing. It's like, let me just see what this, what happens with this shit. If I just let it all go. Yeah. And they just yeah. don't give a fuck at like the age of 50, man. I love it. Well, when you're Jay Z and you're a billionaire, and you're married to Beyonce, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Yeah. Well, that's dude. That's a risk, though. Like, will she still like me with the hair? 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that would yeah. be, that'd be my question. I would all I would run it by her for sure. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Have some images mocked up. So baby, here's what I'm thinking about. I'll let you pick which one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is actually something because me as a coach, I like to reflect on shit. And again, I'm a middle school boys basketball coach and nothing special. Um, what do you think is a common thing that coaches early on do that almost maybe limits the wrong word? But like it's a fucked up conception. Like, why do middle school or young youth coaches still blank? What's something that boggles you about that? Um, I think like just limiting what you allow a player to do can hurt them. You know, if a guy's you know a little bit bigger in seventh grade, it's like, hey, you're gonna be our big, uh, and like you know that type of stuff where it's like you know who knows if he's going to grow anymore. Right. Um, and even if you become six, six, well, he's still going to need to be able to be a guard to be really successful at basketball. Um, Cause it's not like you can be a six, 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 six big anymore. So it's like, I think that stuff. And it's hard because it's like, you have to put people in certain positions. You know, it is what it is. Um, but I think that, I think just like, Like, for me, like, when I was in middle school, my coach wouldn't let us shoot threes. Oh, really? And it was like, I was like, bro, like, I can shoot. Like, if we make them, we'd still get in trouble and have to do push-ups and stuff. Oh, and no like, way. Like, that's, like, I'm not saying everyone should be able to shoot threes, but I should be able to shoot threes. Like, yeah. I work way harder than these guys, and I'm much better in middle school. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like, yeah. Um, I think that, I think, I don't know. It's like. Middle school coaches have a hard a hard job because it's like you know do you cut players do you not cut players do you play even playing time do you not play even playing oh, time oh yeah yeah so give me what you would know? your philosophy be man before I I tell you what I I don't even know if it's my philosophy but it's what I'm doing um, what would you do you're a middle school coach okay here it is situation middle school coach sixty kids in the gym trying out um, how many how many teams do I get one oh I'm cutting fifty of them. No way. Keeping 10? For one team? I might keep 12. You're sending 48 kids home crying with their dreams crushed. And their parents are waiting for you. And their parents are waiting for you in the parking lot. They better get new dreams or get better. (laughs) Listen, like... Maybe I'll keep fifteen. I'll keep fifteen. All right? I'll keep fifteen so we get three teams of five or whatever for practice. But, like, I'm not keeping 40 kids. Like, no one's going to get better. Right. It's like, you know, it is what it is. Like, I feel like that's kind of where we've gone a little bit where it's just like, like, who does that benefit? Right. Like, my thing is like, who do we benefit by keeping 60 kids? You're not going to benefit the kids at the top. The kids that, you know, kid 57 is going to quit basketball in the next year because he's terrible. <laughs> and so it's just like. Kid 27, same thing, by the way. <laughs> exactly. So I'm saying like, it's like, who is it? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like if the kid wants to be good enough, then they'll go home, they'll practice, and they'll make the team next year. Right. Um, but it's just, you know, it is what it is. Like you have to deal with a little bit of adversity because if not, then it's like some kids don't know that they weren't good enough. Yeah. Like, and so they're like, they just keep, you know, floating by with it. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, that's kind of an national answer that I don't have to deal with the, you know, repercussions of it. Um, <laughs> so I get that. But it's just like eventually – you either good or you're not. If you're not good enough, you have to get better. Yeah. That's something I've always, and I, the more I coach in middle school and deal with um, 
parents and their perspectives, the more I realize like how kind of irrational um, they are. Dude, I cut a kid and I got a five paragraph email along with references. This is an eighth grader, along with references from his third and fourth grade Pop Warner and YMCA coaches that I could call to see what a mistake I made and how dominant his son was. Yeah. I mean, I guess a clown. I was like, how the fuck do you sit down? Like, dude, did this take you all Friday night? Like what, why, why am I getting this? And then like, so I, like I'll have metrics and I'll be like, your son got beat by six graders in races or he couldn't like, he missed eight right-handed layups and he's right-handed. Like that's kind of an issue, right. you know, but right. like just the fact that you have to, like, you feel like a dick. I felt like a dick pointing that out. Like, dude, I don't want to, I like, it was hard enough to cut your son already. Now you really want me to put into words why he wasn't good enough. Yeah. Why do you fucking yeah. want to hear that dude? Just accept it. I mean, it. I think perfect world. It's like, again, I don't expect any middle school coach to do this. Um, yeah, ideal. It was a perfect world. No, I'm doing it like, next, dude. I'm doing it next year. And when parents talk shit, I'm gonna say, "Look, man, my man Luke, who trains NBA dudes, told me this is the way to go. So if you got a problem, hit him up." I would say so. This is what I would do. And again, I'm not saying like I don't think I would actually do this if I was middle school. <laughs> I would cut him and then be like, "Listen, like 6 a.m. every day before school, we're gonna have workouts in the." in the gym, like if you didn't make the team, um, you're more than welcome. We would love to have you, uh, you know, work out in the morning and, and, you know, maybe we, you know, can use you as a practice player if you're really about it, but you got to get 10 morning workouts before you become a practice player. Uh, and then it's like, at that point you start to see who actually like cares. Right. And none of those kids, there might be six of those kids that show up. Right. And so it's like, that's the biggest thing. It's almost like, all right, if I cut you, I don't just want to like feed you loose and be like, see ya. It's like cut you, but here's like your plan to kind of like get back or prove that like you actually care. Cause that's the other thing. It's like 30 of those kids you cut, you just feel like don't care. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like the other 20, like, all right, well maybe if this kid really, really cares, like maybe we could use him on the practice team or whatever the case may be. But it's like, it seems as if you don't care at all. You know, the kids that are God awful, like, sorry. Yeah. You know? pick up an instrument um <laughs> that's not i mean like, that's not even like that sounds really bad it's like maybe they're really good at band or maybe they're really good at like go get know, a paint coding. go get a paintbrush <laughs> well it's just like sometimes like i'm not good at singing like yeah i need someone to tell me that because what if i would have spent seven years of my life trying to be good at singing when i could have picked right. up a basketball and then i go i love this right like you know you have to have some sort of a floor to be like really good at something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's yeah. kind of the reality, you know? So it's like, Hey, this isn't your thing. Like move on to something else. No doubt. Find, find some joy in something else, man. Cause you, yeah, you'd be it, really like, good at something else. Yeah. Cause honestly, like it would suck for you to be on this team and just be reminded of how bad you suck two hours a day, six days a week in practice when you just keep fucking everything up. <laughs> like you're going to yeah. feel like shit. The dudes are going to get on you and make you feel like shit. Like it's not going to be a good experience for you. Yeah, and if you're really that bad in middle school, it's just kind of a wrap. Oh, you dude, know, for sure. You're just going to get passed up. For sure. Unless you're just working seven hours a day, which you're probably right. not working seven hours a day if you're really that bad in middle school. Yeah, or you do the whole, like, again, Pip and Jordan, what are they fucking like, what is with these people growing six inches in the summer, man? How does yeah, that, that shit happen? Pippen grew, like, when he was in college, which is crazy. Yeah, how does, like, who the fuck? All right, so now it's the first game. Opening tip, first home game. You got 15 players on your bench. 
all these bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kids wanting to show off. Are you playing everybody? Are you playing to win? Keeping your first five tight? What are you doing rotation-wise? I mean, I would have ten kids that I'm probably playing. The other five, I would have gone into it letting them know that like they're probably not going to get a lot of playing time. Gotcha. I think as long as expectations are set in the beginning, no one can really get mad. That's a great point. Like, you can play 15 kids, but like, I, I just don't think anyone's benefiting from that. Right. I don't think the kids that are, I don't think anyone's, the kids that are really good aren't benefit. The kids that are really bad, they're getting a little bit of playing time. They don't need to be playing that much. They need to be practicing. They're not really benefiting. Right. Um, you're not going to win, which doesn't really like really matter in middle school basketball. Um, but it's just like, like we always did the five in five out thing. I hated it. Cause it's like, you could never get in a rhythm. Um, Oh so, yeah. Jesus. I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, if you, if you just go into it, Hey, listen, you 10 are probably going to play you five. Like, are you comfortable with, you know, maybe not playing, but like, you know, you can come to practice every day, like, you know, whatever, maybe they say no. And then you go to, you know, another kid that was on the border and he wants to do it. Right. Um, but if you just set those expectations from the beginning, I feel like no one can really get mad. And maybe some kid on the practice team surprises you. He bumps up or whatever. Um, but, like, most middle school games are, like, 32 minutes. Dude, I was so about to tell you. In here, Delaware, 24-minute games, dude. Four, right, six-minute so quarters. Eight minutes a game? Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. All right, man. So, I'm keeping, I'm keeping 12. I'm going to have a first seven, and I'm going to have a back five. And yep, just, love that. Yeah, I think that's how I'm going to roll back five. And yeah, then I'm going to get one or two businesses who have kids in the school to sponsor it. And if they buy us like warm ups, kids on and um, yeah, green light, easy, green light, for sure. <laughs> fucking for sure. starter, and he gets the haul off and go. For sure. God, man. What would um be something that kids don't realize? And I'm, I'm almost going to imagine you're going to say hard work and going hard. But, like, what's something kids don't realize? Every kid in middle school is like, I want to be a baller. I'm going to go NBA D1. But what's something they don't realize about, man, you got to make sure you do these things to really set yourself up to be a D1 guy? Um, it is, you know, it is hard work. It is disciplined. Um. I just think that maybe the thing that they might not realize is how many kids are out there that want the same thing. Mm. You know, sometimes kids think about, well, I'm, you know, I'm the best kid on my middle school team. Okay. Well, there's, you know, a thousand middle school teams out there. So it's like, to me, that's the biggest thing is just, you know, realizing that you might be a, you know, a big fish in a small pond. um, But like, there's a lot of water out there with a bunch of other players. And so, that's the that's the thing that I would think about is just, you know, the first thing is, all right, how do I become the best player on my team next? How do I become the best player, you know, uh, in my town next? How do I become the best player in my conference next? How do I become the best player in my state? Next? Just expand in that circle. Player? Yeah, there's just always another level. Um, if you only look like what's around you, you're going to like, it's going to be skewed. Right. Yeah. I'm- so I just think that they don't... T- truly understand that right yeah and i i also wonder like do they just kind of say it as a default but they don't really actually want it 
You know, it's almost like a cultural thing where it's just like, yeah, I'm a baller. I'm pretty decent. Yeah, I'm just going to, I just want to play. And that's all they say. And then when you try to get them to do stuff, if they don't want to show up consistently or if they don't want to have a good attitude doing it, you're like, why do you keep saying, that's one thing that baffles me. I'm like, why do you keep saying you have this goal if you do nothing to get this goal? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's them it's adults it's everyone it's like hey That's listen you know most people if you want to do something you know what you have to do to get there right. like i want to come out of this quarantine shredded i need to stop eating oreos dude that's like, something that i don't fucking get man like and like and i i drink i'm probably drinking more than i normally do but i'm working out fucking like crazy like i'm i'm at worst i'm maintaining what i got I don't get yeah. these people that are going to come out of quarantine fucking 20, 25 pounds heavier because your gym membership was, you know, locked. Your gym was locked down. Like, you can't fucking do burpees in your house. I, I don't. Yeah. Like, there's, you know, it's just everyone knows what they need to do. Um, it's just very few actually do it. Right. You know, I, I think most things in life aren't aren't as hard as we make them seem. It's just, are you disciplined enough to every day wake up and do the stuff that you know you're supposed to do to get there? You know, it's not like there's a magic pill for a lot of this stuff. It's just hours and hours and hours, and hopefully you get your lucky break. You know, it's like if you take two months off of a podcast, you're probably not going to make any traction. Yeah, right. But if you, you know, record two or three a week and like you're constantly putting out content on all the platforms and ch- chopping it up and putting a you know, video behind it or whatever, like your chance is going to be a lot better. Right. And so it's like, you know, you know all that. Um, and it's just like, I don't know. I feel like same thing with players. Like players know they should probably shoot 500 shots a day. Very few do it. Right. Right. You know, if you shot 500 shots a day, you're going to be an above average shooter at minimum. Which is what it is. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I don't yeah. know. That's the biggest thing. It's like, you know what to do, do it. Like, you know, you need to eat right. You know, you need to get your workout in. You know, you should be studying film. You know, you should be getting up your shots. You know, you should be going to sleep. Are you going to do it or not? You know, and some guys can get away with not doing it so much because they're naturally gifted. Other guys need, you know, everything to fall in their favor. Um, but, you know, everyone knows what needs to be done. Yeah, that is. I, yeah, I always often wonder, like, do kids not get up shots because like they think shooting is just routineless. Like when they hear 500 shots, like even if you just said, dude, do you get up a hundred shots a day? That's 10 different spots, 10 shots a pop. How would you do it? And like you asked the typical 13 year old kid who plays basketball. I wonder if any of them would have like a routine. Probably not. Right. And I feel like that kills them. Like, and it, it's weird to me. Cause I'm like, dude, you've been like in gyms for two, three years going through practices and we do a bunch of fucking shooting drills why don't you just do them on your own? <laughs> like something doesn't click and maybe it's just the dudes I'm around, but I'm like, I don't, I don't get why you, um, why you don't like work yourself out or have your own routine that you write down and then you can follow your own workout plan. Just take stuff like YouTube around or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, trainers is part of the problem because I think that kids think that, you know, they have to have a trainer in the gym to, to do stuff, you know, and right. it's like, that's not the case. Like I'm not going to sit in this gym with a middle school kid, you know, if we see each other once a week and rebound for you for, um, you know, an hour, like, because you can do that on your own. Like you're not paying me to be a rebounder. Right. Um, 
but you know, they say, well, if it's not practice, if I'm not going to the trainer, like I don't need to go to the gym. That's just not the case. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. I do think it's formula for success is pretty simple. Uh, especially just the more people even getting to hear on different people's stories from like different business backgrounds or like entrepreneurial, like health coaches. Like, it's just like, yeah, yeah, do I just consistently show up, put in work and try to make a high quality product and do it the right way? Like, do I have a routine? Um, it is that simple. Um, do you have any outside of basketball hobbies or interests or are you just like a straight vision? Like ball is life. Yeah. I'm into like, yeah, basically just basketball, um, (laughs) and business stuff. And then that's pretty much it. No poetry. (laughs) You don't like journal do poetry. I don't journal. Um, I've been playing a lot of monopoly over this quarantine. So that's been fun, but that's, uh, Oh, monopoly. What's your, dude, what's your monopoly strategy? Do you buy every time you land? Man, I don't know. I'm on a freaking two week losing streak. Um, (laughs) with monopoly, it's like, it's so, it's so luck based. Like there's some strategy with like what you buy or like some trades you make. But at the end of the day, like if someone gets the properties and then you just roll and land on the properties, like it is what it is. Like some games require like much more strategy. Right. But then other games it's just like you really had no chance of winning or like your winning was based off like what you rolled on the dice or whatever. Um, Whatever I got, I played this morning and lost and maybe I was just a little, just a little little, better little pissed about it um but got, i feel like there just needs to be a better board game as far as business goes but it's whatever yeah it's um i don't i never understood the and i because it's super old the whole like jail thing like why are we associating like business and jail like it's just always been that fucking shady yeah you just go to jail <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's I, I get the like randomness of cards of like oh man your business went out or your supply is stuck you lose ten thousand dollars or oh you got audited like i got all that but why when they were making it did they have to include jail yeah yeah it's been around for a minute hot minute yeah i um i've tried once to like just keep rolling and not buy anything and i think i lasted 15 minutes and that was it yeah i've pretty much try to buy everything i land on um especially early and then i might get a little strategic as we go but yeah for the most part yeah do you do you geek out enough to do the whole like hotel and homes kind of a thing oh yeah for sure um my best game i ever played and i won't do it again because it was like the people i'm staying with were like dude you're an asshole um wait i lost and it was like you know when couldn't sleep and i was like i stayed up for like an hour and a half like looking up strategies for like monopoly stop dude this yeah. is not true and this is not true you true. fucking google cheated monopoly strategies yeah and so like i didn't realize <laughs> that there was a finite amount of houses oh that you have and so it's like you know it's four houses and then the fifth one gets you a hotel right and so I had two properties at the time. And so I just, instead of like, normally I would just upgrade to a hotel because it costs more money um, for people to land on. But instead of doing that, I just got, I just put four hotels on all my properties. So it was like four, eight, 12. It was like 24 of the, um, of the houses. And so there was two, three other people playing. There's only 12 houses between them. And so. <laughs> oh, so the like homes, they, I thought they got recycled. Like if you put up a hotel, you just put the other right. houses back in. 
Right, but I never like bought enough to get a hotel. I just oh, you stayed at four. Got you. Right. So then there was no houses left on the board. So like dick move. (laughs) No one could like the most you would ever pay when you land on a property of anyone else's was like two fifty three hundred. Right. Um, for me it was like eight hundred because I had four. But like even if I land, like they couldn't build. Right. And like I had four houses on each property. They had like one or two. Um. And so at the time I was like, yo, like this is the best game of Monopoly I've ever played. Like I killed it. <laughs> and then they were like, dude, you're an asshole. Like we're not playing if that's how you're going to do it anymore. Um, and, which I get because it was like, made it like not fun basically. Um, well for, for them. them. But, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I went, I went total deep dive into, into Monopoly strategies. Um, so. Did you um come across anything about like how to hold the die? Like if you put the die in your hand and have like the number one so like in, that's against the your palm, strategy you can get. Like if you knew how to roll, that's the biggest like thing you could do. Everything else is pretty much luck based. Like there's a few st- strategic things, but if you could control like where you like rolled, um, then like you'd be fine. I mean, like I lost a game like two nights ago where I had three straight rolls and I got like had to like what's it called assess or whatever, where, like, where you had to pay for all your hotels and stuff and houses. Um, I got two of those cards in a row and then I had like another card where I had to pay 200. So I like literally threw away $900 in three rolls without landing on anyone and lost. Like, <laughs> so, you know, that's just part of the game. I'm sure people don't want to hear about Monopoly. Um, I don't know, man. You'd be surprised. It's like, cause I think it's something that like everybody's played and, um, with my daughter, it's just way too long of a game for, for her. She's younger. Um, but right. there's like quick Monopoly now, which takes all the fucking fun out of it dude like like it's monopoly is just a game of stamina and of will you know like oh no god can you imagine like michael jordan playing monopoly but like with real money oh that's what they do in all they don't play monopoly but all these guys just play card games on the on these flights right um like a thousand two thousand dollars a hand god yeah have you do you do um anything as far as like gambling like that no like if I go to Vegas, um, I might do a little. I like roulette, where it's like, you know, I'm putting this money on black or red, and I got a 48% chance. Right. Um, but, like, again, I have addictive personality, so I got to try to stay away from from stuff that, in the end, was almost guaranteed to lose you money. Yeah, right? Yeah, because the hotels are big. The casinos are big for a reason. It's not because yeah, they lose. Yeah, casinos are there for a reason. They're not just handing out money to people. Yeah, I I've never gone down the route either, but um I could see blackjack feeling like you're yeah. really in control. Like craps. Yeah, blackjack's a fun game. Yeah, I um I want to try want to try to do it for like candy, but then I don't know if I'm like raising my kids to be like an addictive gambler if we like gamble for Halloween candy once a week or something like that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's one you have to figure out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Find your own moral compass. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Um, all right, man. Well, dude, is there anything else, uh, you want to share about yourself or, um, I think I'm good, man. Are you a spent well at this point? Yeah, I think I've, uh, dried up. I think I'm good. I'm not sure people want to hear anymore. So, uh, yeah, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know. It's one of the things that you just kind of trying to figure it out, going with like a humanistic tone. And I, like in my head, I just think like, it's like what you were saying about the monopoly, like to me, that is interesting because I don't know how many people I've had a conversation with about monopoly strategy and monopoly etiquette. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of a unique thing where you're like, oh shit, what would I do? Would I be the guy that would just stay at four houses? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the real problem is honestly with Monopoly is like you have to play with four people. We're playing with three right now, and it's like uh, four is the perfect number. Yeah, why is that? Well, like with three, like someone can get iced out of the game because, like, you know, say one person has two yellows and one orange, and the other person has two oranges and one yellow, and then like the third person has just like a hodgepodge of random cards like those other two people can trade and then they're not going to go and then trade with you because then that gives everyone a chance like they're just going to stick with each other the alliance so now they have a 50 percent chance to win and then you're sitting over there with like decent amount of money but no properties to like build on and you just slowly are going to lose you know what i mean yeah um, but with four people like the cards are a little more spread out it's like it's very rare that someone's going to be kind of iced out of the game in that sense wow Played a lot of Monopoly over the last month. I like, dude, I can tell that was a fucking great yeah. breakdown. Jesus. Way, way too much Monopoly. <laughs> um, like, so is it just like you don't have a video game system over there, or what's the problem? Uh, I do. Um, I'm kind of like we're just working on. Uh, person I'm living with, where I, we're working on a little project, and it takes up a lot of our day. Um, okay. and it's just like we'll just play Monopoly as we're talking through stuff and working on stuff. Um, and so. I don't know. It's just kind of been the game that we've played. I have a PlayStation. I just haven't played it in for like six weeks, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. The place. Are you like the war call of duty kind of guy? No, I've never played any like game outside of like, um, you know, a few sports games. And then like, I really got into Fortnite um, over the last couple of years, but like, again, addictive. So I've tried to like wean myself off of that. Gotcha. Like it was real when you were in there, like you were feeling like you were that avatar. No, I didn't feel that. That's why I don't play call of duties. Cause it's like first person. And it's like, when you get shot, blood comes on like the actual screen. And it like gives me PTSD. Um, <laughs> from, I don't know what from, from your war um, days. <laughs> yeah. But like, dude, I can play Fortnite five hours a night and like just get lost in it. Um, it's like, all right, this is unproductive. Let's stop doing this. Gotcha. Yeah. That so. drive, that drive is a, is a mantra of yours, man. I've never thought about like Monopoly being almost like a chessboard where if you're collaborating with somebody, it's just a fucking thing that's in the background that uh can like almost like give you a quick little break, but at the same time like keep your mental energy going. Yeah, it's a uh, it's actually been really good because it's like you know you're dealing with business kind of stuff a little bit. Um, it doesn't require you to like completely lock in on what you're doing. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it's been it's been fun. And then keep shit light. That's funny. It's like, man, you yeah. fucking dick. Just, just get the hotel. Get the fucking I hotel. Know. They, were, they were pissed. But it, was like the only, it was like right after I read this article, like, you know, things you could do. And I was like, let me try it. Um, so yeah, it was fun. God, what was the Google? How to win at Monopoly? Or what did you search up? Yeah, I just went like how to win a Monopoly, Monopoly strategies, like how to cheat at Monopoly. <laughs> um, that might have been the first one, honestly. <laughs> how to cheat at Monopoly. Yeah, and so... You know, the problem is just like there's really just not that much strategy. Like there's a few things, but it's just like what do you roll? So, yeah. you know, there's only so much you can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. So much of it's out of your control. That's true. Yeah, so. Jesus, man, you you might get the bug in me. I might have to bust some out, or at least find some like online monopoly to play. Yeah, it's supposed to be some online ones that are pretty fun, but I think you have to stay in the game the whole time. Um, okay. like you can't like. It's not like words with friends. If you ever play that, where it's like it's your turn, then it's their turn, then it's your turn, then it's their turn. It's like you guys both have to be like on the on the app. Um, 
but I don't know. Some people play and they enjoy it. So gotcha. Cool. Yeah. That's, um, I think that's on my to-do list for tonight, man. Love it. Well, <laughs> love it. Well, Luke, man, I really appreciate you, uh, taking some time man, letting us, uh, get to know you. Um, stay safe. Uh, keep training, man. Best of luck to you in the career. I hope you get those eight to 10 guys, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Um, just let me know when this drops and I'll retweet it and do all that. Sweet. I sure will, man. Probably maybe like a week, week and a half away. Maybe. Um, I got a couple cool. others in the queue. I'm still trying to figure out like placement. Like I had a run of, um, back-to-back basketball guys and, uh, just figuring out like, does that limit your audience? Do people, if anyone listens, then think it's like just a straight up basketball podcast. Right. So now I was trying right. to like spread them out to be like more diverse. Um, so yeah, it's all, it's all like a weird strategy for me right now, but yeah, man, probably like yeah, a week. Well, you'll get the hang of it. So just let me know, man. I appreciate your time. It was fun. Yeah. Thanks man. Thanks for going down memory Alrighty. lane. Alrighty. Stay safe. Yep. And I've I'd like to thank Luke for taking time away from board games to share his story with us. Man, that fucking, uh, that Kobe Bryant story, that, that shit's cool. Um, thanks to Junk Drawers for sponsoring today's show. Listeners, you're not a kid anymore. Store shit where all adults do in the junk drawer. Please, friend, follow, listen, subscribe. I don't know many, I don't know how many downloads, listens, followers, subscribers that we need to get a real sponsor. But the more we got, the better chances we have. And like my man Luke said to Kobe, volume shooter, Mamba out.